How's everybody doing today? Are you ready for God's Word? I know I am. I'm excited about God's Word today. I'm going to begin a brand new series today. As you've seen, it's called The Power of a Seed. And in just a few minutes, we're going to begin to read some verses from Luke chapter 12. If you've got a Bible or you've got a device, you want to look those scriptures up. Luke chapter 12, if you don't have a device or a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. But I just want to once again welcome everybody. Thanks for being here today. If this is your first time at the bridge, we extend a special welcome to you. We're really glad that you are here with us today. And there are a lot of great churches in the valley. We're honored you're here. If you have any questions today, out that first set of doors to the right, there's an info center. There's some great people there, really nice people. They just had their morning breath mints, and they won't offend you in any way. They just want to meet you and say hi. They can answer any questions you might have. We just want you to know that you're welcome here today. And if you're looking for a new home church, this is a good church. There are a lot of great churches in this valley, and this is one of them. And I guarantee you this church will be a blessing to you as you're a blessing to the church. Can we just put our hands together and welcome first-time guests? Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's dive into God's Word. We're going to be talking the next few weeks about the power of a seed. The power of a seed. You know, we live here in a unique area in Southern California. One of the things that I love about this area is when you drive up into the foothills and the hills around here, uh, whether it's La Cresta or Deleuze area or going on down towards Fallbrook, there are all these amazing oak trees. Now, there's a specific name for them. I just call them California oaks. I assume that's where we got the name Cal Oaks Boulevard or Avenue Street, whatever it is in Murrieta. How many know what I'm talking about? These beautiful, amazing oak trees. And they're huge. They're huge, and each one is different. And some of these trees, they say, are 150, maybe 200 years old, maybe even older. It's amazing what these trees look like and what they become. But the amazing part about those trees is that they reproduce with the seed. And if you've ever been over in those foothills and been around those trees, we used to live in an area where we had some trees right close to our, our back door. And around those trees, there are these seeds, these acorns, and they're pretty small. But everything that you need to create that massive oak tree is right there in that seed. Now, I know that's a lot for us to get our minds around, but it's true. Everything you need to create those massive oak trees, it all begins in that real small, tiny seed. And... The reason I'm starting this series today, the purpose of this series, is to help us understand how God wants to work in our lives. Because God works by the power of a seed. Now, in my introduction, let, let, me, let me share a couple of things real quickly. Here at the Bridge Church, there are two things that we say often, two statements that we make, and they're really important to us as a church. Number one... Accepting Christ as your Savior is not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning of the journey. Every week, we give people a chance to accept Christ as their Savior. 
And I like to tell people, when you pray that prayer and you open your heart to God and you ask Jesus Christ to become your Savior, it feels like it's a brand new life. But it's not the end of the journey. It's only the beginning of the journey. And then the second thing that we tell you so often, and maybe you get tired of hearing it, I hope not, because I never get tired of saying this, is that God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. So if we tie those two things together, this is not the end of the journey, it's the beginning, and God has better plans than I have for myself. If we put that together, that helps me understand that God is going to be continually working in my life. So this journey, this journey really comes down to one simple thing. And I know there's a lot involved here, but let me break it down to simplicity. Accepting Christ as my Savior is the beginning of a lifelong journey where I will be learning to let my Savior become the Lord of my life. See, for Christ to be a Savior is one thing. For Him to be my Lord is another thing. I accept Him as my Savior, and then I begin to learn how to let Him become the Lord over every area of my life. And we're going to be getting into more of this in this series. So today, in, in laying the foundation, I want to start with three simple questions. And I'm going to answer at least in part these three questions. We'll continue to answer it more in this series. Let's begin in Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at verse number 31 to begin with. Luke 12, verse 31. Jesus is in the middle of a teaching and he makes this statement. He says, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Now, I don't want to take time to go through the whole teaching today, but I want to give you a, a short synopsis of what's going on here. Jesus is talking to people about fear. He's talking about worry. He's talking about concern that's weighing them down because people were concerned about the basic necessities of life. And Jesus is telling the people that God has already made plans for our life provision. Now think about this with me for a minute. God has already made plans for our life's provision. And so Jesus is telling them, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these things. And he makes a statement in there. If you read the different accounts of this, he says, those who don't know God, those who aren't in relationship with God, they're always going to be worrying about these things because they're trying to get them in their own strength. But then he makes this statement, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All these things, he's talking about our daily provision. He's talking about the blessings that God has promised to us. God's blessings come to us as we trust him and as Jesus said, as we seek the kingdom of God. So question number one, the first thing I want to talk about, what is the kingdom of God? Now we're, we're reading from Luke 12 and the more familiar scripture that people quote is probably Matthew 6, It's Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, the same passage of Scripture, it's just a different account. The verbiage is a little bit different. 
In Matthew's account, he says that Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. I hear people quote that all the time. But it's kind of used randomly and it's kind of a catch-all for anything going on in somebody's life. Well, you know what? Just seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Well, it's truth. But we need to see and understand God's word in context. Jesus is talking about needs. He's talking about God's provision. But he makes a statement to the people. Our first priority in life needs to be our concern for God's kingdom. So what is God's kingdom? Let's pause here a moment. Is my major priority in life God's kingdom? Or do I have other things that outweigh that? You say, well, come on, man. We're, we're living in two, you know, in, in, a, in a century, 20, 20 centuries beyond Jesus' day. Things are different today. No, the word of God stands forever. What is your first concern and your first pursuit in life? Shouldn't it be my relationship with God? Shouldn't that be primary in my life? Shouldn't that be first? Jesus said, seek first, seek the kingdom of God. Well, what does it mean to seek kingdom of God we don't speak in this century about the kingdom much because we don't live in a kingdom we live in what we call a democracy now I don't want to get into that today because already people are getting mad okay don't want to go there my point is we don't understand the kingdom because we don't have a king but as believers we have a king and we're in a kingdom We've been translated into the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, if you want to get basis covered in your life, and if you want to see God get involved in every area of your life, pursue his kingship. Pursue the kingdom of God. Now, what is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is simply his rule and his reigning over the different areas of my life. So I need to pursue this relationship with God where Christ is ruling over my life, where God's laws are ruling over my life. Now, think about this today. As I said, we don't live in a kingdom as such in the natural world. We live in a different kind of government structure. But we all have had a little bit of history. We watch movies. We see things on TV. And we know from studying history that kingdoms change every few years. There have been different empires throughout history. Empires that have ruled a lot of the then known world. But if you study maps and you look at these empires, you will see that this empire ruled this land and then the next empire came along and it ruled part of this land and some land over here and then the next one came in and it ruled this land here and part of this one here and part of this one here. Every kingdom, every king ruled over a different specific kingdom and every place that that king's armies ruled over, he considered it within his kingdom. Does everybody understand that? So where the king ruled, that was his kingdom. Jesus said, we need to pursue and seek after God's kingdom ruling over our lives. Let, let me say it this way. It might be possible for Jesus Christ to be my savior 
but not be the Lord and the King over some areas of my life. Everybody get that? Think about that with me. It's possible. It's possible. Because Jesus says to these people, we need to seek the kingdom of God. So what do I need to do? I need to make up my mind that if God rules over my life, he takes responsibility for every area over which he rules. Think about that. Our government today, even though we're not in a kingdom, it takes responsibility for certain things. Where it establishes its rule, it takes responsibility for those things. In our lives, if we will open our hearts to God's rule, he begins to take responsibility for the areas of our lives that are submitted to him. So what Jesus is saying is, you start out with me as your savior, but you need to learn to let me begin to rule over every area of your life. And isn't that what our journey with God's all about? Learning to let Christ be the Lord of that area of our lives? So I need to learn to let him be my king. So if I'm struggling with a need, a continual need, and it just keeps coming back to haunt me, the first thing I need to do is I need to examine God's place in that area of my life. Because if he's king over that life, he'll take responsibility over it. Because it's within his kingdom. And you see, it's not a matter of God trying to punish me. It's a matter of me leaving him out of that area of my life and not applying his laws to my life. So I may come around to this point where I, I begin to ask the question, well, where is God's provision in my life? God, where are you? Why aren't you doing what you said you would do? But the better question is, who's ruling? Who's reigning over that area of my life? What laws are governing that area of my life? So God's kingdom is everything that God rules over. Number two, the second question, look at verse number 32. Verse 32. The next thing Jesus says is, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, Jesus said, seek the kingdom. Why do I need to seek the kingdom of God? Why do I need to seek the kingdom of God? Of God. Well, there's two things that we'll see in these next two or three verses. The first thing is, God wants me to enjoy the blessings of his kingdom. Did you know it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? See, not everybody believes that. Some people have been taught, well, you know, once you receive Jesus, it's going to be a hard life. It's going to be a tough life. But if you persevere to the end, you'll be saved. And then someday we get to heaven. And boy, when we get to heaven, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to see God's provision. That's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that when we enter into the kingdom of God... That the king begins to rule over our lives. And yeah, there are going to be problems. Yeah, there are going to be challenges. But there are all kinds of things that, that develop. All kinds of things that create those problems and challenges. But in the middle of it all, the king will still rule over his kingdom. Every kingdom has challenges. Do you know why, do you know why God's kingdom has challenges? It's because there's people in it. Let me say it this way. You know why God's kingdom has challenges? Because I'm in it. And you're in it. 
and the person sitting next to you is in it. So as a result, there are going to be challenges in this life for a lot of reasons, but that doesn't mean the king isn't going to be ruling over it. What I have to do is live my life seeking to make sure that the king is ruling every area of my life because when he's ruling, he takes responsibility for the welfare of that part of the kingdom. So the first thing is, God wants me to be blessed. See, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God and all those things that people worry about, they'll be brought into you. They'll be added to you. God will take care of those things if you seek his kingdom. That's not Gary Martin's words. That's the words of Jesus. If I seek the kingdom, he will give me the provision of the kingdom. Some of us need to get it in our heads and our hearts. God wants to bless us. Turn to somebody. Come on. Turn, turn to somebody you know nearby and say, God wants to bless you. Now turn to somebody you don't know. Point at him and say, God wants to bless you too. Now, let's do the most important thing of all. Say this with me. God wants to bless me. God wants to bless me. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom and the provision of the kingdom. So he said, don't worry about the cares of life and the challenges of life, but instead be concerned about letting God rule those areas of your life and if we do that, he begins to bring us the provision of the kingdom. Now, why did Jesus say this? Go back to context. Jesus said this because people were living in fear. I hope you never get tired of hearing us say this. It is not God's will for us to live in fear. Doesn't mean we don't have moments that we don't understand things. It doesn't mean there aren't moments when fear comes against us. I'm telling you, it is not God's will for us to live dominated and ruled by a spirit of fear. God doesn't want us to live in fear. So Jesus said this so that people would not live in fear. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now let me, let me put one more thing in here because I, I think this is fundamental to our walk with God. Does God lack anything? I mean, if you want to be real specific, well, he lacks some people who don't submit themselves to him. Okay, okay, but he gave them a will. We'll get into that another Sunday. But God himself, does he lack anything? Well, what, what is it that makes us think he wants us to live in lack? I'm not telling you there won't be challenges in life. I'm talking about having a lifestyle, a constant lack. Why would God want us to live in lack when he doesn't live in lack? Oh, God loves us so much, really? He loves us so much that he wants to sit in heaven where everything he wants. He can just snap his fingers and speak the word. Everything he wants, he can create it. But us, oh no, he wants us to live in lack because he's the big bad God trying to teach us a lesson. Really? Is that what scripture teaches? No. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Jesus said, if you being evil give good gifts to your children, how much more does he want to give us good gifts? 
So we need to seek God's kingdom, first of all, because he wants to give us the blessings of the kingdom. But then there's a second part of this. Look at verses 33 and 34. Same chapter, verses 33 and 34. Here's what Jesus says next. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, why do we need to seek God's kingdom? Because number one, he wants to give us the kingdom. Number two, because my fallen human nature wants to rule things myself my own way. Since the beginning of time, started in the garden, what does Satan tell Adam and Eve? Oh, God's, God's not being honest with you. He knows if you eat of that tree, then you'll be like him. You don't, you don't want to be some man down here on earth. You want to be God. You want to rule your own life. You don't need God's rules. You don't need God's kingdom. You want your own kingdom. So what do we do? We come to Christ. We accept him as our savior. The next thing we have to do is go into this process of learning how to let his lordship and his kingdom begin to rule over our lives. Why? Because my fallen nature tends to resist it. And Jesus said, you need to exchange your rule for God's rule. Remember when Jesus taught about prayer? What's the first thing he said? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. For his kingdom to come and his will to be done, I have to set my rule and my authority aside and say, God, I need your help in this area of my life. I need your help. I need the real king to come in and sit on the throne of my life. That's what this process is all about. It's learning to accept the rule in the lordship of Christ. But in order for that to happen, I have to change my will for his will. Does anybody know anybody who's stubborn? Okay, let's go on. I just made my point. So Jesus said, which kingdom are you pursuing? God's kingdom or your own kingdom? Whose laws are you living by? You see, I can't live by my laws and expect God's results. I have to live by God's laws to have God's blessing and results. And his laws are in his word. And you know, I, I can say all kinds of things, but my heart cannot lie. Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. I can accept God's treasure, which is eternal, or I can accept my own treasures and pursue those things that are temporary. Jesus said, don't pursue temporary things. Pursue the eternal things. Because where my heart is, that's where my treasure is. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. That's why Jesus said, seek God's kingdom. Seek God's treasure. You know, when I was... A young minister, just starting out in ministry. I, I, I've told you some of it before. I started out really young. I started traveling, preaching revivals back in the olden days in the last century. And it, I, I started out with this love for God and a knowledge of his presence. But like every other young minister, like Pastor Corey, I didn't know much. 
I'm kidding. I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't know as much as I thought. I, I, I pick on Corey. Don't be offended. Corey's great, okay? I just pick on him because he loves to be, he, he likes to be in every sermon if I'd put him in there somewhere. He just loves, he loves the attention. But in, in my youth, I, I kept having this recurring problem, this recurring need. It just kept coming up. And man, this thing was so heavy, it was breaking me. And I'd been through it so much for two or three years, and it was just hurting my heart and weighing on me. And one day I went out back in my house where I was living, and I walked around the property. There was a big open lot, and I'm walking around the property, and I'm just talking to God. And, you know, I'm a young man, and I've got this big need, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm just, you know, oh, God, i got to have your help. God, I don't understand. I just keep coming back to this same problem. And, God, I'm going down this road. I just keep going down this road and going down this road, and it keeps coming to a dead end. God, I don't know what to do. God, where are you? And God spoke to me so clearly as a young man. He spoke to me and said, if you keep going down this road and it keeps coming to a dead end, maybe you need to try something different. <laughs> See, I, I was living by some knowledge that was passed on to me. I was doing some things, trying to rule my world in, in laws outside of God's kingdom. And it's not that they were bad laws. It's just that they weren't working. And it was cutting God and his word out of my life. And I wasn't letting God rule that area of my life. Listen to me. I was living trying to get God to come bless me, but I wasn't living under his lordship in that area of my life. I didn't even know there were laws at that time for that area. So I made some adjustments. Things began to change. But what is it they say, the definition of what is the word? Insanity, stupidity, a lot of words. I'm hearing it all over the building. Okay? <laughs> Dumb. I don't want to say it. I want to repeat you, okay, because somebody will get offended if I say it. The definition of dumb is to keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Sometimes if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And if you've never submitted to God's laws, you don't know how great God's government is. But when you submit to it, you begin to experience it. So, before I move to the third point, let me throw this in. One of the things I've seen through the years with people, starting with myself when I was a young minister, I still see it today, is there, there's, a, there's a certain group of people in the church whose lives are lived from crisis to crisis. Crisis to crisis to crisis. And this one or two areas of life, it just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. And people are crying and boohooing and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. And yet when you talk to them and you get into the nuts and bolts, you find out God's not ruling those areas of their lives. And when God's not ruling those areas of our lives and we're not living by God's word and by sound wisdom, we tend to live from crisis to crisis to crisis rather than from blessing to blessing to blessing. This is good. This is good. I'm going to buy this cassette tape after service. It's really good. It's really good. So I learned as a young man, you know what? If it's not working, 
You need to get along with God and find out what he has to say about it. Third question. How do I seek the kingdom of God? How do I seek the kingdom of God? I want to go to Matthew 13. I'm going to touch on this real quickly. This is the foundation for this series. Matthew 13. We'll come back to this chapter later on in this series. But I want to look at one little section here. Matthew 13, verse number 31. Jesus put forth another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, When it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Now, let's look at the illustration real quickly. Jesus said a mustard seed can be planted in the ground and though it's a little seed, when it's finished growing, it produces not just a little stalk or a little plant or a bush, It actually can produce something the size of a tree. And even the birds of the air come and build build nests in its branches. In other words, when it's full grown, it not only brings blessing to itself and to God. It also brings blessing to those around it. But here's what Jesus said. The kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like what? A tiny mustard seed. This is why we're talking about the power of a seed. Everything needed to produce that great big mustard bush that becomes a tree. Everything needed to create that is in that seed. And there's two things about a mustard seed. Jesus said, first of all, it's the tiniest of seeds. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. But yet it's powerful enough to produce that tree. And he said, that's the way the kingdom of God is. Now, how how does the kingdom of God come to us? It starts as a seed. It starts as something little. How do the principles of the kingdom come? They start as a seed, something small, and then they start growing, begin to work in our lives. The second thing about a mustard seed is they say mustard seeds are really hard to kill. Once you put that seed in the ground and it dies, it begins to grow. That that mustard plant is really difficult to kill. And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God. It just lives and lives and works and works and works. And get this, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like that little mustard seed. You want heaven on earth? You want heaven on earth? Yeah, I want heaven on earth. Starts with a seed. Starts with something tiny and small. The kingdom of heaven's like a tiny little mustard seed. And Jesus himself came as the seed for God's kingdom. And 2000 years later, his church, his family, his work is still growing. Because you can't kill it and you can't stop it because it's eternal. And yet sometimes we can ignore God's word and ignore what God says. And it's the only thing that just keeps producing generation after generation after generation. 
And we struggle with this. We struggle with it. Next Sunday, I, I, I told you last week that I was going to talk in, in a little bit more about what happened in Africa. I decided to put it off till next Sunday. There are a couple of reasons for that. So I'll be telling you more about our Africa trip. But one of the things that we did on our Africa trip, and I'm, I'm getting close to the finish here, okay? So stay with me. One of the things we did on our Africa trip, we went and dedicated the church that you guys built in a village called Godo. Um, if you don't know where Godo is, it's, it's about 10 miles down the dirt road from Lunga Lunga. So that, that'll help you find it. But we went to this village. And, you know, I mean, it's pretty primitive. It's pretty primitive. We're driving through this village, and it's, the people are spread out. And all of a sudden, we turn this corner, and we drive down this dirt road. And here's this beautiful, brand-new church building. And here's the cool thing. They started Easter Sunday. And they've now got 35 regular attenders in this church, this village church in Godo, Africa. And people are beginning to move around the church because they want to be close to the church building. Can I tell you something else cool about it? They found out when they started building, there was a little bitty house. And like I said, it's pretty primitive. Little house next door. Come to find out a, a witch doctor owned the house. He lived there. They started building this church, and he was checking it out, seeing what's going on, and he realized these people are here to stay. So the witch doctor decided, I'm getting out of town, and he decided to sell and move. So he went to some businessmen in town and said, hey, do you want to buy my property and my place? They said, yeah. And he said, I want this much money. They said, fine, we'll pay it to you. We'll give you your asking price. A few days later, they contacted him and said, hey, we still want to buy your property, but we can't come up with all the cash. Can we make payments? And the witch doctor said, are you kidding me? They're building a church next door to me. I got to get out of town. I need my money right now. So the people, and I'll talk about it next week, the people we're working with, their family came in and said, you know what? If you want to sell this, we'll give you half of your asking price cash right now. He said, give me the cash and I'm out of town. In, in, in three or four months, they've set up a church. The church has started with the seed. The kingdom of God is growing, and they've already run the witch doctor out of town. Why? Because that's what the kingdom of God does. It starts as a tiny seed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And the same thing will happen in our lives if we'll let Jesus be the king of our lives. So, the seed has a process. And I've got to commit to the process. First, there's the reception. Will you receive the seed? The seed has to be planted in soil. You have to dig out the trench or dig out the hole, put the seed in the hole, cover it up. The seed has to be put in ground that's receptive. So the first thing I have to do is if I want the king and the kingdom to get involved in my life is I have to make room for his word and receive it. Yep, I want the king to be my king. I receive it. The second thing that has to be done is you have to care for that seed. I don't know if we have any farmers in the house. Some of you may have gardens. What do you do with the seed once you put it in the ground? You water it, which means I believe this is going to grow. You water it. 
And you let the process begin to work. You nurture it. You care for that seed. You believe in that seed. And you say, this seed is going to grow. It's going to work. And if I see any weeds coming up, I'll yank them out of there because this thing is going to produce. And the third thing, you have patience. Because over time, that seed's going to grow a plant which is going to produce something purposeful. But boy, sometimes we struggle with getting the seed in the ground and receiving it. Sometimes we struggle with watering it. But we really struggle when it comes to patience and waiting for things. The kingdom of God's like a seed. It grows. Sometimes it grows slowly. You know, when I accept Christ as my Savior, God plants His seed in my heart. But that seed has to be nurtured and protected. If I'll nurture it and protect it, it will grow and it will produce. That's what makes life continually better. That's why I can tell you God's plans for you are better than your own plans because that seed just keeps growing and producing. So why do we why do we struggle with these principles? I'm going to close right now. Why do we struggle with the principle of the seed? The things I've talked about, receiving the seed, nurturing the seed, being patient and waiting on the seed. Why do we struggle with these principles? I think it's because when we talk about God and when we talk about things we can't do, we want big things and we want loud things and we want exciting things and I want it all right now. But that's rarely the way the kingdom of God works. And if I don't get things my way right now quickly, then I'm going to go try something different. I'm going to step out of God's kingdom and try some other laws. You see, God promises big things, loud things, exciting things. But he begins with little things. He begins with the seed and he says, nurture it, water it, take care of it, hang on to it, be patient. This will produce in your life. There's a verse in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4. God said to Zechariah, don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise God's seed. Don't despise God's promises. Receive it. Nurture it. Be patient and wait for it. Let God produce in your life. We're just laying the foundation today for this series. Jesus said, if you'll seek God's kingdom, all the things you desire in life will be added to you. Final little tag Philippians 1 Paul said I'm confident God has begun a good work in you he's going to finish it how many of you are willing to let God finish what he started let the seed grow let's bow our heads this morning father thank you thank you for your word thank you for your truth we're laying the foundation for the next few weeks God I thank you that in this foundation we're realizing We're realizing that you work beginning with little things and you grow those little things into big things.
God, give us receptive hearts. Help us to throw away everything except what belongs to your kingdom. God, give us a nurturing heart. Give us the desire to water your word and believe your word and trust your word and know that it's true. Build our faith and encourage our faith. And Father, I pray that you'd give us the patience to walk this thing out and trust you and let you work. God, you're a big God. You do big things, but you do it beginning with the seed. We embrace that seed today in Jesus' name. Right there where you are, just put your arms like this and say, God, I embrace your seed today. I embrace your seed. I embrace your seed. Some of you needing God to change some things. Say, God, I embrace your seed. I embrace your seed today. I'm going to water it. I'm going to wait on you. In Jesus' name. One more thing. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you've listened to this and you think, well, that, that's great, but Jesus is not my Savior. He's not my Lord. I've never surrendered my life to Him. But maybe as you've listened to this today, you realize I need Jesus in my life. Maybe today you're ready to say, God, come into my life and help me. This whole thing begins with you inviting him into your life. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now and he's waiting on you to open the door and say, God, I need you. Come into my life. It all begins with a prayer. God, I need you. Come in. I want to lead you in a prayer. There's nothing magical about my words. It's just words of faith. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Wrap your heart and your faith around these words. Let God begin to work in your life. It begins right now. Everybody in the house, watching online, let's pray this prayer together. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. I need a Savior. Someone who can wash away my past. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Teach me your ways. Plant your seed in me and change me from the inside out. I welcome you now. From this day forward, you are my father. I am your child. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. Hey, if if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run, that's the most important prayer you ever pray in your entire life. But it's the beginning of the journey. It's not the end. We got a little booklet. It's our free gift to you. We want to give you called the next seven days. It's just information for you to read the next few days. That'll help you start building the relationship with God. We want to give this to you free of charge, no strings attached. So if you're watching online or you're here in the house, here's what you can do. If you're in the house, when service is over, we'll have teams, prayer teams on each side of the building, down front against the walls. Walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, as you leave the building today, right in the middle of the glass doors, you can stop by the counter there that's set up. They'll give you the same booklet there. Just stop by and ask for it. It's our free gift to you. If you're watching online, there are instructions on your screen as to how you can get this booklet. Please let us give it to you today. God bless you. Can we just welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you today. Let me tell you, you're just as much a child of God right now as you will ever be in your entire life, but you're just now beginning the journey. So we welcome you into God's family. Last thing before we go, this is the part of service just before we leave where we 
honor God with our giving and thank him for his goodness and his blessing in our lives. And on the screen, there are a number of different ways you can give. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God's work is moving forward. We're touching more lives with every week that passes right here in our community and around the world. It's because of your faithfulness in giving that helps us keep moving forward. So thank you so much. If you're in the house and you want to give a physical gift today, there are envelopes on the back of the chairs. You can grab one there. As you leave the auditorium, there are giving stations on each side of the doors. There's also a giving station by the kids' check-in area out in the lobby. Feel free to give as you choose, as God touches your heart. We appreciate it. God bless you today. Hey, have you enjoyed being in God's house and hearing God's word today? So good to have you here. Stand to your feet. Have a great, great week. God bless you.